Welcome to I Think You're Interesting. I'm Todd Vandorf, the I, and I Think You're Interesting. It has been a year for, well, anybody who covers any industry in the United States of America. But for those of us who cover the entertainment industry, from rumors of studio consolidation to a new presidential administration with, let's say, a certain hostility toward the liberal media, and the ongoing, never-ending string of accusations and allegations of sexual harassment and assault, which have ended careers and led to a new reckoning with just how bad things have been in Hollywood for just how long there have been so many stories this year that it's been hard to keep track of all of them. On top of also talking about movies, TV shows, albums, books, the sorts of things that we ostensibly are here as critics to be talking about. So it's been a long ride, and I wanted to talk about this year in review with one of my favorite entertainment journalists, Richard Rushfield, who runs the newsletter, The Ankler, which has become an essential read for me in 2017. He's hit some stories in ways that just made me think about everything in a whole new way. So I wanted to have him in and and just pick his brain about the biggest stories of 2017 and then, you know, talk about movies and stuff like that. So we're going to hit everything from the great Oscars mix-up of February, remember that happening, to the ongoing harassment and assault scandals that are continuing to Royal Hollywood. We recorded this on December 12th, so just over a week out. Uh, And I'm sure that in that time, some news story has broken and completely invalidated this podcast. But we tried, everybody. We tried. Let's go to Richard right now. Thank you for joining me, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I delayed production of this episode as long as I possibly could because I was so sure some huge news was going to break. And we're still we're still recording this before the heavily rumored and almost certainly going to happen. Fox Disney deal goes through. We're going to be talking about some of the big events that happened in uh, entertainment and culture in 2017. And I want to start. There's a lot of heavy stuff this year, so I want to start with something a little bit lighter Thank so we you. don't scare everybody off. The Oscars mix-up happened this year, happened in in February, I think, was, was what right. it was. Uh, they announced, Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway announced La La Land as the winner. Of course, it was Moonlight. It was the, fir- it was the first time it had happened uh, in that way on the biggest category of the night. As I recall, it was a fun story because it was like the first time we all had something to focus on that wasn't Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that was so it was completely frivolous. It was fun, but like, t- take me back to that moment. And uh, this is this predates the Ankler, I believe. So take me back to that moment and just kind of like the conversation around L.A. Because I was weirdly out of town for that. I was in Washington D.C., so I was not present for any of that talk. I mean, that was just fantastic. It was yeah. uh, the Oscars is the biggest moment. The biggest event of the year in Hollywood. It's it's our uh, our Christmas and and uh, Thanksgiving rolled into one, and this is the the critical moment. Not only was it the critical moment, it was an actual upset. It was La La Land was expected to be uh, just run away with it. So yeah. there was an actual upset, and and the act of reading a uh, a name off a piece of paper just got completely blown. And it was, but it was. It was why these these moments are uh, because Oscars are really really boring to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean that's it's 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 you know I've talked to people who are producers 
of the show. And the, the, the problem with producing the show is you have 20 awards that have to be given out and mostly to people you've never heard of and uh, doing work. You don't really understand what it, what it is they did and coming up to thank their agents, everything. And it's, it's a long, it's a long, long night. So these, you pray for these spontaneous moments, uh, you know, whether it's someone making an embarrassing speech or, uh, or a political rant or what it, what it, whatever it is, it keeps these things alive. And this was the the most spontaneous possible thing a a grade A screw up at the most uh, critical moment in 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 uh, the Oscars in decades. Yeah, I keep thinking about all the things that had to happen for that to happen. For for starters, every I think every other actress nominated was from either not a Best Picture nominee or you know one that nobody expected to win. So like if if it Meryl Streep had won for Florence Foster Jenkins, everybody would have known what was up right away. And also, yeah, everybody expected La La Land to win. So like there's this rolling ball of craziness that made it all happen. Um the thing that I kind of um I don't know. Now we're all going to be planning for this scenario yeah. to happen, and I, I think it's never going to happen again. <laughs> no, they, I'm sure they have so many uh, fail safes and and uh, double and and people double checking the envelope and everything. Now the now the question will be with 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 all the fail safes will the will the word leak out because it, part of why they had so few people. Um, who to see the envelope and 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 who knew it was to keep the secrecy, which is I, I don't think it's ever been broken in the history of Oscars. But now you'll probably have two hundred people and lawyers and everything else watching the envelope and checking it, and uh, and will one of those uh, drop a dime to somebody? <laughs> well, I brought him up in sort of the build up to uh, the Oscars question, and this was this sort of started out as the year of. Does art matter (laughs) in the wake of the 2016 election, in the wake of Donald Trump um, and a large portion of America essentially saying, you know, uh, your Hollywood liberal values are no good to us. Um, And I I guess I, I got the sense that people in Hollywood weren't quite sure what to make of it for a while. And then very quickly, I want to say right around Meryl Streep's speech at the Golden Globes, very quickly, they sort of pivoted to being like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, fight back by doing whatever it is we do. What has your sense been of Hollywood's reaction to the first year of Donald Trump? They're still finding their 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 way. I think it's it's still very confused. I mean, if you look at the Oscars, it's all these things that Hollywood. You have this giant corporate machinery. I mean, Oscars are essentially the the Chamber of Commerce presentation of the year. Like yeah. this is it, welcome to movies. Come <laughs> come visit us at the movies. Every every you know here we are, our best looking people wearing. Wearing expensive clothes, and they're going to come in and 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 look gracious. And all of a sudden, all sorts of cultural controversies have been put on this, and they're expected to deal with and sort through all these all these things, which is just not you know it's a very stately, unwieldy body that is uh, is not quick moving or agile, and not particularly with its finger on the pulse of uh, of, of cultural revolutions. Yeah. And they're expected to, to deal with this. And I think on a larger scale, you look at what Hollywood is doing. And, you know, they're making these giant movies now, these, these universes where the films are set 10 years in advance. It's yeah. like, you know, the Star Wars movies now, they've just, I, I, you know, I think we're, we're literally 10 years out. We're, we're planning it. It's this giant machinery and all that. And, it's, and the culture is moving so fast and changing so much. And I think their instinct is just to go to like the safest place away f- away from it, so we can keep doing business. And then, 
on the side. They can go to their fundraisers. They can they can tweet support or something like that. But but there's a real divide there. Right. Right. It, it definitely like the movie industry is not well has never been well positioned to quickly respond yeah. to events. Um, the TV industry has been done a little better. Most of the early takes on it, like uh, American Horror Story, Cult, and some of these shows produced immediately in the wake of the Trump election have been, uh, let's say, hit and miss, to be kind. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you saw things like The Handmaid's Tale, for instance, became this, uh, you know, we don't know how many people watched it, but certainly the most for a Hulu original, I feel, I think feels safe to say. Mr. Robot this season is doing an alternate alternate narrative of the Trump election. Yeah, exactly. And like, that has been uh, – television already sort of has this uh, – there's already sort of this swagger around television. In a way, there hasn't been any time I've been covering it. Um, and it feels like the Trump era is uh, – one of the ways that TV is distinguishing itself is saying – we can respond to this more quickly, but also that sometimes leads to very bad television. And <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering like what sort of what your take is on the divide between film and TV in this world. No, I think, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that movies have become this lumbering beast that, um, you know, for Disney that who, who's, that has worked out very well for almost everybody else. It's where it's, it's, it's been a disaster and very hard. And in a, in a in a because the culture is moving so quick, it's just it is. How can you say what people are going to watch want to watch ten years from now mm-hmm. or two years from now? Even it's what the culture is going to be like. It's and TV has the ability to respond to these things and develop. And it's I, I think people are just just on a pure uh, aesthetic level. People process things and develop and move on very fast. And and the and and the way the I mean, if you look at if you look at the progress from, say, Lost to uh, Mr. Robot, it's right. like I mean that's 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 like light years away already. It's just been how many how many years between between uh, those about two? ten, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's TV TV just and, and TV has the ability to to capture the zeitgeist in a, in a way that and and frankly, it's just that it, there's more players in there. So I think the more interesting producers are wanting it's where they want to be right now. Right. One of the things. You've talked a lot about in the Ankler, and I've talked a lot about is when is peak TV going to end? Um, and certainly this year we had a number of basic cable networks kind of pull out. WGN essentially abandoned. They're do, still doing imports, I think. Um, A and E's no longer doing scripted stuff. Uh, but then you have like Apple and Facebook and yeah. YouTube, and like there's this sort of it feels like this endless supply of tech money pouring into this scripted content game. And I keep expecting everybody to realize it's a bubble and start acting accordingly. But I keep being assured that it's not because the money is infinite, but money's not infinite. Like it's going to stop at some point. Okay. What's your feeling on, on that? Well, I, I think we've, we, one peak TV has ended uh, Mm -hmm. clearly the WGN and uh, producing hundred million dollar shows period. And, Every every basic cable network deciding they can spend billions to uh, to to copy the AMC formula uh, that is probably that is probably over and probably some a lot of those networks are going to start shrinking or disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as you say, another peak may be upon us here with Apple. Facebook is producing TV shows now. It's you know anyone who you know targets probably going to be producing TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's what. Everybody has realized one thing that you have to get people to your to your website, and the best 
And the thing that people do most in the world is watch videos and particularly watch narrative videos of, of, of stories and relatable stories that, that, that they can see. And whether you're, you know, Target or Chuck E. Cheese or whoever, whoever uh, or Apple or whoever, it's a basic thing. Like the, there, there's no better way to get people to come to your app, to your site, uh, to whatever it is. And I think there is still a lot of money to be poured in chasing Chasing that at some point, Netflix, which has been the, the the particular driver, just as an example, their growth is going to top out. They're spending money to 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 grow their service, and particularly to grow it overseas at this point because their U.S. growth pretty much has uh, has has topped out. And when that does, and they stop growing, and they need to maintain their margins, they're going to look at things like. You know, it, it for Netflix, it's been very easy to say we're becoming the, the next HBO yeah. if they can do 100 shows and two of them uh, become the crown. Right. They they get to do that. HBO never had that luxury of like, oh, we can have we can have 50 misses before we get to a hit. <laughs> um, and I think I think that sort of luxury will probably come to an end for them when people start looking at the at the at the cost and say, do we really need to be spending 100 million on a Will Smith movie that? Nobody watches, or that, uh, or that, uh, or or do fifty shows to get to this one hit. Yeah, I saw a billboard for Bright, the yeah. Will Smith, <laughs> Smith movie you referred to. I think it was on Melrose, and I just drove past, and I was like, "Oh, right, that is a thing that exists." Uh, Netflix has struggled with the movie industry in a way that, like, Amazon hasn't. Amazon, obviously, like you know, Manchester by the Sea wasn't a huge hit, but they won a couple Oscars, etc. What do you sort of attribute Netflix's struggles with the movie business to? I have been trying to put my finger on what I, I, I've said that net all these Netflix movies. If you look at Bright, it's got a big movie star in it. Um, they spent a budget uh, one hundred and fifty million dollars, one hundred twenty million dollars. It's a, certainly a legitimate budget. It's a real director, David Ayer, who's made some very good movies in the past. Um, so everything about it on paper is is well. That's a that's a real movie, sci fi adventure. But something about all these movies looks like they, – they look like the movies that people in movies go to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they don't actually seem like they're real movies. Like that, that, And I, I can't quite put my finger on it except that they're not developed enough that, that I think they're getting – because they're, they're in a rush to do them, pe- people are bringing them sort of their passion projects. And passion projects is Hollywood code for – the thing nobody else will make. Right. Um, so it's so uh, Brad Pitt wants to do his Stanley McChrystal imitation, and yeah. everyone else says, "Yeah, we're maybe that's something you go do in a nightclub some night." Ted. <laughs> well, it was fascinating to me because we at Vox debuted the trailer for that movie, War Machine, and we had you know we had like a twenty four hour exclusive or whatever, and like there just it didn't feel like people knew it a knew it existed and obviously the trailer launch is part of that but b when they found out about it it just was like it was like netflix as a movie platform was just like not a thing that had occurred to them even though i you know i as a netflix user frequently will just be like well let's see what movies on and we'll watch it there's just something about the way we use netflix that is so much more conducive to television and i don't know what that is tv is about discovery and getting into the and 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 movies are about events yeah. and if you're not and think about every movie that we you see now. It's movies never just spring up on you. It's like you have two years of <laughs> yeah. 
hearing, reading about set visits and leaking, a, and seeing the character poster and tra- different three different trailers and hearing about what writer has been hired. And it's 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 a long journey. So by the time you're getting into like, oh, here is the final trailer. Here's a here's the producer. Here's an interview with 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 the director. It's coming in three weeks. It's it's become a a big if it, if it's a sort of movie that you're excited about, it's become a mm-hmm. a fairly major event as events go and and because cultural events go, and they are making a movie a week. They mm-hmm. don't have the apparatus to do that. They 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 have the idea that well everybody's on the home screen, so all we have to do is put the trailer up on the home screen, and and that and and that does it. Um, and they're just they're they're not events, and I think it's they're based on the idea that like a TV show, people will discover it, but but. I think TV, people people find a TV show to have sort of an ongoing experience with it, whereas a movie, it's like, oh yeah, I remember this. This is we were all excited about this. Maybe yeah. I saw it already, or I wanted to see it when it came out. Yeah, and you're not you're very unlikely to look at this thing that this movie thing that came out nine months ago that you never heard of that you forgot existed and say, oh, let's spend two hours watching that. Hmm. Yeah, I feel as if. Uh, we're in this era where obviously movies and TV are kind of converging on each other. Uh, I just saw the last Jedi last night and it's nothing, if not, it's nothing, if not the next episode of mm-hmm. star Wars, like I really liked it, but it definitely, it feels like a long TV episode in a lot of ways. Very long. would be Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I like it too, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have liked a half an hour less. This is, this is probably true. I feel like the, uh, the Netflix model, like I think about the way everybody built a relationship with like Stranger Things back in 2016, where it was this rolling ball of people finding it. And it's just, for as much as I liked, like Mudbound is one of my favorite movies of the year. I thought Oakja was great. For as much as I liked those movies, you know, I just like when they're over, you don't build that relationship. Yeah. You don't you don't build a relationship with a movie in the way you do a TV show. Um, and I, I've always liked that about the I like I love both art forms, but. There's just something about it that I think I think Netflix has gravely misjudged. I think weirdly, I was always skeptical of the idea that you have to have a theatrical run to feel like a movie. But weirdly, I feel like it's true now. Yeah. Well, I, I I've said uh, my pretentious explanation is uh, that movies are about are about space and that uh, TV shows are about time. Mm. That that movies it's about people have spent years on they they have the time to go over every single frame. And it's going to be project with the idea it's going to be projected on a big screen. It's going to be overwhelming. There'll be so much. I mean, if you look at if you look at say a Pixar movie, mm-hmm. like the amount of detail in every one of those frames yeah. that they that they've thought of and the way they've gone through that for years and thousands of people working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think TV shows are about time. It's about you know you uh, when you see the second episode of Games of Thrones, you don't have the the same feeling about it as you as you did. When you see season seven, by that time, you are really engaged and you have a relationship with these people. And if someone dies, it's it's it it, it means something. It's you you grow a relationship over time, but but that's sort of a ongoing experience. Which whereas with movies, it's about that that space and that detail, which is why you. You'll watch a movie fifty times over, and you you won't necessarily watch it. T- maybe maybe you will, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are TV episodes I've forced myself to watch many times <laughs> over. Um, What's the most you've watched one episode of? Uh, the X Files episode Jose Chung's from Outer Space. I've watched about every year since it first aired, and some of that was I was an obnoxious teenager, <laughs> like a lot of that. But like to me, it is 
I don't want to say like the ideal of a great TV episode, but it's one that there's enough going on in that I yeah. pull out something new from. But like, certainly there are episodes of The Sopranos I've watched like five times. But yeah, there, there's only so much in this to a certain degree. Talking about the movie industry increasingly feeling like it's a big TV show. We really are, as you mentioned, in this era of franchise entertainment defined by Disney. Warner Brothers is playing catch up. Fox is almost certainly selling to Disney. Universal's doing whatever. Uh, Sony and Paramount are just kind of there. <laughs> um, what is, you know, what what is the world like when we increasingly don't have, I think about like Warner Brothers had It, which is not a great movie by any means, but was a huge smash, kind of came out of nowhere. Or like Girl's Trip is this movie that just arrived out of nowhere, did very well at the box office. Tiffany Haddish may get an Oscar nomination, all this stuff. Like, what's the world like when essentially we're leaving all of that to indie film? As it seems like we're sort of heading toward that. I think it's going to be. Um, I mean, I think it's it's a wild west coming. It's mm-hmm. uh, you're you, you're you're seeing with Fox and Disney, you're seeing this consolidation. You, we could end up with a world where there's three big movie studios mm. that they all get swallowed up, which means more Star Wars, Marvel type things, less um, and. Everything mid to little is turned over to the indie world, and the indie world is, you know, fairly a mess right now. It's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know very the the number of films that break out there are very are very small. Um, it's uh, people haven't quite figured out how to sell those movies at a budget that makes them that makes sense, um, and and I think it's it's going to be a real hard time for. People do, and all the money is going to be going towards these TV networks, uh, these these TV, uh, whatever the Disney behemoth that takes on Netflix is. Um, you know, you look at the, you look at the film festivals right now, right? And if you took you and Netflix, Amazon, Hulu are are have dominated those festivals. It takes a thing more. If one day they get sick of uh, buying up indie films that no one really watches on their services. Suddenly, those festivals just become ghost towns. It's, yeah, there's. I mean, if you look at if you take those out, the top sales are like are like they're running on fumes at this point. So, mm. I think it's I, I think it's a very difficult time for indie films ahead. Do you see any sort of signs of hope in say the A twenty four model where they've Lady Bird is going to turn a profit for them? A disaster artist probably will. Florida Project's a tougher sell, but is doing okay for mm. that kind of movie. Um, do you see any hope in that model? With it within limits, I mean, it's they say their secret is they have a really good sense of what's cool, mm. which is which which has worked for them very very much. Uh, you know, if you're you're no one's coolometer lasts forever, right? Like, and if your business is dependent on on being able to to put your finger on cool forever, that's that's not a necessarily a business I'd put my money into. But you know, I think I think for. What what they have done so far has been has been amazing, and what they've picked and they've really they've they've been very smart with their releases and everything. If they had released Okja, it probably would be in mm. in uh, awards nomination talk right now. Right. Um, but but it's it's a real niche, and they and you have to there's there's very little room for error. Mm. The, that world, a couple flops, and and your company is gone. Yeah. Yeah. The holidays are coming up. You know what that means. Parties, presents, ugly sweaters. 
The Art of Shaving can't help with those ugly sweaters, but they can help you impress everyone on your holiday gift list. This year, take gifting to the nines with the 12 shaving creams and more of Christmas. So let's say you have to buy something for your secret Santa at the office. Whatever, spicy, citrusy, warm, and woodsy, the sophisticated fragrances from Art of Shaving are well-suited for anybody you might know at the office. What if you have a bearded buddy, like, say, Santa Claus? You might want to get something from the Art of Shaving because friends don't let friends' beards get out of control. And so let's say your favorite uncle. You know, you could get something for him at the Art of Shaving. Maybe your little brother who's just starting to shave. You could find something great for them. Maybe your dad, your boyfriend, your best friend. It doesn't matter You could get something for yourself, wrap something up, put it under the tree, give it to yourself. Great. Whatever you need to get the Art of Shaving for, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a friend, whether it's for a gift, you can sign up for the Art of Shaving's convenient replenishment service. It's the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Get started on the holidays. Listeners, get 15% off your first order and free shipping when you use my promo code TODD, T-O-D-D. To get this offer, visit theartofshaving.com. Use my special promo code T-O-D-D and you get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Once again, that's theartofshaving.com. Todd is the promo code, 15% off. Or if you don't want to order online, find a retail location near you for a consultation from the Art of Shaving's own master barbers. The Art of Shaving, it's your one-stop holiday solution. Well, we've, kind of, we've talked around it a little bit, but the uh, proposed Disney Fox deal, I just keep trying to figure out what, Rupert Murdoch is like what his what his goal is here maybe like he's an old man maybe he just wants <laughs> to be done with it but what what do you feel like or what have you heard or what do you feel like is kind of driving a lot of this conversation I feel like Murdoch has never never really embraced the movie business never really liked it never never liked putting these big bets on wacky filmmakers who you don't really understand what they're doing and why and how can you prove anybody's going to see this. Um, you know, it, it, if you look at look at where Fox has gone in the last 10 years or so, they've been very comfortable to kind of stay through the middle and not not take any big chances, not doing anything crazy. And they've, they've done okay in that in that uh, direction. But I, I, I just think for him and the family, this has never been something they've loved. And they see... They see possibly the moment to cash out that Disney is trying to build up this this uh, service there, and there 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 may not be another buyer coming in there. I, I think they're much more interested in in the cable and the the, the news for him. Of course, the newspaper business is everything, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I I think it's just a chance to get out of a business that they never particularly loved. I am wondering, I guess, why the TV properties are also. On the docket, especially because TV right now is seen as more profitable. I'm assuming part of it is that Disney wants that library for its streaming, uh, eventual streaming company, which to me increasingly looks like it will just be Hulu because they will own Hulu basically. Um, And I I guess I'm, I'm, that is the question I have, unless the answer is as simple as Disney wants all this TV stuff. I think, I think that Fox, the studio is, doesn't have a lot to offer right now. Mm-hmm. If they were just selling the movie studio, I think I don't think they get a lot of money for that at this point. I mean, they they don't have any giant franchises still going. Uh, none of their their 
all their even their animated Ice Age has kind of come to an end. The X X Men and Fantastic Four have all sort of played themselves out. Maybe Disney can revive them. Maybe not. Uh, I they have a library, but uh, these libraries are are worth less and less every year. Mm-hmm. Um, this and it's. Um, I I think unless they threw in the the TV networks, I I don't, I don't think that they have anything that anyone really wants. Right, right. I think the murder on the Orient Express cinematic universe that, is going to pay for I, I would love that. <laughs> um, uh, that well, that is interesting to me because FX, of course, is like the centerpiece of great television right now, and I always get antsy as a TV critic, not necessarily as a person who looks at and covers the business. But as a TV critic, I get antsy with somebody messes with FX. But do you see, like, what do you see as the upside? The upsides of this deal for Disney are obvious, but what do you see as the upsides for sort of the people from the Fox world who end up at Disney? And what are, what are the downsides for the Disney monolith, which now seems like, you know, the Death Star or something? I think, I think for people who are going into Disney – uh, the the thing about Iger is that he um, the the good and bad in him. I I I think he's not that much interested in in the content. Uh, he's interested in making the deals. He's interested in putting things together. But he he has entrusted these these sort of mega producers um, like Kevin Feige at Marvel and Kathleen Kennedy at uh, Star Wars and Alan Horn who's and John Lasseter and and just kind of said go. Each of you bring me two movies a year or mm-hmm. one movie a year, and and uh, how you do them, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to get involved. It's it's your show. I think for people that come in that feel like they're that that are the head of an of a trusted property that way, um, I think I, I think there's at Disney. There's been a lot of latitude and a lot of support of of, of the creatives that way. The Marvel movies regularly run over budget, and mm-hmm. they support them. Um, you know, it's it's a matter of do you fit into the the master Disney plan, right. whatever the heck that is. Yeah. If yeah. you and if you don't, then then probably there won't be a lot of tolerance for that. Right. Right. I do feel like um, one of the things I wonder is Fox, 20th Century Fox, but Fox Searchlight especially has uh, this year three billboards and The Shape of Water. They're consistently in the Oscar conversation. Disney does not have a great. Uh, awards reputation. And certainly awards probably to somebody like Bob Iger don't matter as much, but like they're nice to have, I guess. Do you feel like there's a world in which either 20th Century Fox or Fox Searchlight sort of exists as Disney's, we're going to make movies for people who aren't 24 and under division? Yeah, that could be. I mean, it's 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 a it's a gap in their schedule in in their lineup. But uh, seeing as they're getting it, they could see that as an opportunity to, to do it. Um, you know, obviously, as you say, they they say they don't care about awards, but mm-hmm. in the end, everybody, everyone in Hollywood wants wants to see themselves up there, and and your board members want to see you up there, and want mm-hmm. want their tickets to the Oscars, <laughs> and your other investors want tickets, want 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 tickets and be part of these things, and it's it's uh it's uh, the, an Oscar campaign can be kind of a uh, a loss leader that uh, that 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 helps build you a lot of goodwill in a lot of other ways. Right. Uh, and so I, I could see them I could see them using that to to get into that business a bit. This is also the year when well Disney's always been a little terrifying, but this is the year when they became really terrifying, like the L.A. Times uh, blackout in terms of people from the press, but also things like you know just how. Uh, how omnipresent they seem in every aspect of Hollywood culture. 
um, and things like uh, the like even the American Idol comeback, which feels like it should have nothing to do with Disney. It's like an inherently Disney story. It feels like all stories run through that studio now. And at some point that ha- that has to end. Like these things don't last forever or or can it? The uh, it it does have to end. I mean, we I, I I have been I've been predicting that Marvel is is on the brink of uh, collapse for uh, since I began here. So, <laughs> and I uh, I continue to predict, and someday I'll be right. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, Disney's gonna Disney's gonna Disney's releasing two Star Wars movies within six months now. So they'll check on the they'll see what the appetite for that is. Mm-hmm. What Disney is doing with their movies is trying to defy gravity. Gravity instead of putting out. 20 or 30 movies are putting out six or eight movies a year. Mm-hmm. And which, you know, traditionally you you put out a bunch of movies and the two or three hits pay for all the flops. Right. Um, and they are saying, well, we're, we're just going to put out only hits, mm-hmm. which for the last few years they've managed to do, to do. But they're putting all their chips on just a few squares here. Right. So if that doesn't, if, if that doesn't come in, it, the whole, it could sink the whole thing. Um, you know, you look at Marvel's record, um, or 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 Pixar's record. I don't think there's any. I don't know if in history that anybody's had that that long a record of success. And it's 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 amazing. And, and the it's on sheer execution. They've they've uh, they've defied gravity. But that one way or another, it can't go on forever. Yeah, yeah. I do think like there's sort of this. I'm someone who's been predicting that the international box office will. Because you see something like uh, the Chinese film Wolf Warriors 2, I believe. I think it was the sequel. Like, was a huge hit this year just in China. Like, basically nowhere else. And as these homegrown industries, you know, pop up, I've started to feel like they'll be more stronger competitors competitors to the U.S. market. But then something like Coco is making as much in China as it is here. So uh, that bubble has yet to pop. But I, I do feel like like we're on the verge of that happening. But maybe not i never know you would at some point you're going to you'll you'll see these these other other countries figure out how to make movies that other places besides themselves want to see mm-hmm. that that i mean there's there there's money there's vast sums of money for for any for a country that can figure out how to do that mm-hmm. um and it's 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 got to I mean, hollywood can't have this sort of international monopoly on on tentpole films forever so right. At some point, that that will crack. It's I, the Chinese seem like they're still um, a few years out from that, but but uh, they've they've got to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we turn to the, the sort of the big topic that's been dominating everything, I do need to talk about Warner Brothers because what yeah. the hell is going on there? Yeah. <laughs> that, that studio seems like outside of the TV arm, which is doing okay. That yeah. studio seems TV like too. it's in perpetual chaos. They've had some some funny things going on. It, they had this situation where, at the beginning of this year, everyone expected that they were uh, AT and T would be taking it over imminently, any any second now, and so they were sort of on hold. And there were a lot of they they have, uh, you know, I've talked about it as a Game of Thrones. They've had they've they've had they have these various houses there at war with each other, um, and all that kind of was. Locked in place because they figured the the telephone company will come in and they'll they'll sort they'll sort it out, and now it's a year a year on in that, and uh, the Justice Department has filed a suit, so it could be could be three more years until they so they they what they they were all trying to kill each other with the with the sense that there was this finish line coming, mm-hmm. 
and now the finish line has been moved back an infinite uh, amount of time. And they're all sort of stuck together. Mm. Um, Just like a, Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the interim, they they hadn't been they hadn't been approving new movies. They hadn't been um, there, all sorts of fights had been happening. And and you and and most uh, particularly, they've had this meltdown in the DC. Uh, place where uh, I think Justice League is going to end up earning about half of what the Avengers did, which yeah. is which is a disaster. So that's you know that's for Marvel the cautionary tale of how of how these things can go. And you know it might it might be barely profitable, but you need to these movies are are you know the movies are are really just an advertisement for Halloween costumes and toys and right. and underwear, and diapers, and and, and Baby food and everything else that's 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 uh, branded with them, and you you if if these movies are not giant successes, they you know Disney has theme park rides and mm. all that that they don't they don't spearhead that, so they're sort of stuck in this middling position with various collapses and uh, a feuding. There there's been some real personalities there. Um, also, this is tied into the harassment thing. Brett Ratner. Mm-hmm. Who was one of the more prominent uh, people? People accused was a big player and a financer of uh, of Warner Brothers' uh, stake uh, slate there. So it's uh, right, right. I think your interesting is brought to you by Freshly. The holidays can be stressful, but figuring out what's for dinner shouldn't have to be. Freshly delivers fully cooked, prepared meals straight to your door. You get to skip the shopping, the chopping, and the cleanup. All you have to do is heat them up, and your meal is ready to eat in just three minutes. The best part, Freshly's fresh, all-natural meals cost 25% less per meal than the average cost of takeout. And you'll never be stuck sitting around waiting for the food to arrive. Right now, Freshly is running a special offer. Get six dinners cooked by their chefs for $20 off. To try Freshly out, go to Freshly.com slash interesting to get $20 off your first week. That's six meals for just $39 plus free shipping. This offer is only valid for a limited time, so go to Freshly.com slash interesting for $20 off and free shipping. Well, what a great way to pivot to the back half of our podcast, which I am calling Two Men Discuss the Sexual Harassment <laughs> Scandal in Hollywood. Will. Uh, this is by far the biggest story of the year in our field. Uh, it's one of the biggest stories of the year in any field, uh, barring whatever, you know, Trump launching a nuclear exchange with North Korea tomorrow. I think it's the biggest story in the history of yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, you've called it. I think the biggest sense of the blacklist, and now you're saying it's. I think it's bigger and more far-reaching than that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, ultimately. We are in a place where it feels like the story, the story's center, has moved to D.C. Like there's a lot more discussion of politicians uh, accused of harassment or assault. Uh, certainly, we've had sort of Hollywood adjacent figures like Mario Batali uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we we're recording this yesterday, had that that story come out about him and some of these other folks. But Hollywood has had a quiet few weeks in this regard. And yet, if you talk to any other journalists, you're like, well, I've heard this story's coming and this story's coming. And of course, it's hard to nail these stories down. You know, they may come five years from now. But there's sort of this sense out there that this story is never ending. Um, but I also wonder, like, it's it's a reckoning in some ways with the way business has always been done. Is there a way that this story does end, in essence? I I don't see until Hollywood gets ahead of it. I mean, 
there have been there are so many people. With, I won't say that everyone in Hollywood is a monster or bully or anything mm-hmm. like that, but it's a culture that has really uh, enabled bullies and monsters in uh, all sorts of ways. And mm-hmm. people are the 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 ways that people are bound into that from payoffs to. You know, we re- we read about the way the agencies brushed it under the table, and their actresses complained about about going. I mean, it, it it's it's so bound up in the fiber of this that unless there's some kind of general house cleaning and taking stock, I mean, it, you know, we've had twenty or thirty people uh, come down. I mean, it could be it could be five hundred people. It could be it could be a thousand people. It could be it could be. Um, what you were you talking about movie stars like? Mm-hmm. Who have we had now? We've had Kevin Spacey. We've right. had Fatica. I mean, you could want to run down the A list and see how many of those you want to have, start with every star of the 1970s and yeah. and uh, relitigating that entire decade. It's uh, this. It could go on endlessly. So until somebody gets until someone gets ahead of it or some group finds a finds some way to deal with this. Um, and but it it and the press is never going to get tired of reporting about, uh, you know, celebrity sexual misconduct. Right. That, that will be a story till the end of time. Yeah, yeah. I guess I do wonder what getting ahead of it looks like. We've heard uh, you you were the first to break this story about this group of powerful women within Hollywood who are sort of drafting a statement or something like that, uh, who are you know sort of coming up with a way to respond. And yet we haven't heard from them. It's been, I think, over a month since he reported that story. And I I do wonder, like, what does getting ahead of this look like? Is it, you know, because it's at some point you have to reckon with the fact that not everybody in Hollywood is a monster, but everybody in Hollywood credibly knows someone who is a monster and has sort of looked the other way or brushed it under the rug, even the nicest people you can think of. I think I think there has to be a system where people just feel like if I am treated that way, I have recourse. Mm-hmm. I and the the talk with this group, which uh, which indeed is taking their time, and I've, <laughs> I've prodded them uh, as much as I can. In the it, this group, it's it's a group of, uh, of, of of prominent women in the industry, including Kelly Kennedy, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Oprah Winfrey, um, Natalie Portman, a lot of a lot of a lot of very big names are involved, and um, they call themselves "Times Up," and and they're uh, seeking to uh, to to call for some certain change. And some people they've had a they've had a slogan that's gone around within their fifty uh, fifty by twenty twenty right. to call for parity and in um, in in the uh, executive branches and, and all this. But um, I think until. Until people feel like there's there's recourse, that one thing they've talked about is setting up an outside group mm-hmm. that people can like sort of an ombudsman over Hollywood. There were people where if you're harassed, you can I mean nobody trusts the HR departments at the studios anymore. Yeah. That's that's been revealed as pointless. But where you can bring your com- complaints and they'll be reviewed, and the studio will be shamed if they don't deal with them. Right. Um, I think until there's that, and but there's also uh, we there 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 has to be some. Sort of, I don't know if it's a group that can do this, or we have to come to a cultural understanding of, of. So what? So if somebody said something nasty to someone in an elevator, mm-hmm. does that mean their career is done and they're a pariah forever, or is there? Does that mean they take two months off, or right. where? Where are the? Right now, there is no 
middle uh, range of punishments beyond uh, leave forever and you're, and, and you're a pariah and never, and your name shall never be mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a tough way to, that's a tough way to work and go forward with yeah. when that's a standard. And, but one can understand why we get to that in a, in a place where, where victims feel like they've, they, they've had no voice at all for so long. Right. Right. Do you think there's a way that the unions get involved in terms of like setting up an outside group. I felt like, especially SAG has a lot of weight in this area that has not yet been thrown around in the way that you'd think they could. Yeah. It's interesting how quiet they've been in all this. All all the unions have have really just, just sat out this. I think you got it. You, they, they should be is the, is the right answer. You got it. You have a larger question of SAG has, has been in decline, uh, their, their their last contract agreement was basically a complete cave-in mm-hmm. as um, the middle ranks of their industry are being decimated by 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 the new production agreements. And I don't know whether they have the power to enforce it. And SAG is also continually is now in its 20th year of civil war of mm-hmm. of, of uh, various factions suing each other and I have a claim, so I, I I don't see them as being able to exert much leadership anytime right. soon, as much as they should. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, other unions like the Writers Guild haven't seen the Writers Guild stand up for for many of its members in these positions, and um, and I mean every every group. I think every group in Hollywood, from you know the Academy, is having to deal with this, to the studios, to uh, to the unions have to have to have some sort of policy and some sort of stance and they have to back it up with something more than just lip service. Right. And right. happy talk at this point. I just remembered the WGA nearly went on strike this year. That's how long this yeah. year has been. Yeah. That feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, what was it about the Harvey Weinstein story? Because certainly we've had other sexual scandals, sexual harassment stories, you know, as long as I've been alive. And in the last, you know, two years, we've had Bill O'Reilly, Roger Ailes, some of these figures who are, again, Hollywood adjacent, not in the industry, but in the media industry, which, you know, is very close and symbiotic in some ways. Um, What was it about Harvey Weinstein that broke these floodgates open? Why did the story not just stop at Harvey? Well, I mean, first of all, it was so, the the level of how shocking this was, um, yeah, everybody knew that he was a jerk, that he behaved bad ways with women. But really, I mean, he's not just accused of a grope here and there. I mean, mm-hmm. this this is someone who will likely end his days in jail now. I mean, this he's he's committed actual pr- crimes, and he was the most prominent, well known producer in Hollywood, mm-hmm. even if he was even if his company was on bad times. And to learn that this person has been has been a, a serial rapist in the, the what well, I mean a criminal it's a, a psychotic criminal in our midst for it's just I mean it's still just shocking it's mm-hmm. uh and that is something that unless you knew it you didn't no one could have could have guessed that and it but it it just uh the 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 tentacles of it the, for one thing the, the 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 New York Times in their initial report the New York Times and the New Yorker they found a sort of formula for breaking these stories, which had, which, which was get a bunch of victims. It's in the past, it's been sort of, you get one victim to come forward and they're, they can be discredited or there are some inconsistencies and their story could be pointed out. And it ends up in this sort of murky world where nobody knows what's true or not. But when you have 
a story where you have eight victims are there. Right. It's very hard to just brush that away. Right. And that's become that's become a new template uh, for that. The having done that, as we're as we're seeing, we're getting into sort of much more difficult terrain. That Harvey Weinstein and Lowry, because he was so horrible for so long to so many people, was the low hanging fruit. And now we're getting into you know, you talked about this, the stories that people know are coming. You're getting into things that are well covered up where the, the payoffs are handled very carefully and, you know, very people with a lot of money riding on on their continued uh, employment. Um, and these stories are, are hard. There's, there's one story in particular about a very prominent executive that, that a lot of Reporters in Hollywood have been going out after for about a month now, and I think at this point it's never going to come out because mm-hmm. the victim, uh, the the the, so, the supposed victim, uh, people say does not want to talk, does not want to say anything, has not told anybody. Uh, the financial records, like are whatever, if there was any sort of payoff or something like this, it is well well hidden, mm-hmm. and unless you have the personal lawyers. Deciding that they want to drop a dime on it, it's it's very hard to do it. So I think a lot of these things are just not going to come out still. But it makes it gives the story, it gives reporters impetus to keep to keep going at it. Yeah. Well, anytime you have a story like this where you have to get it right, or your whole publication could be sued into oblivion, yeah. like there is that tension of for every step forward you take, there's like three more walls that go up in your way, and that to me. You know, because so much of this is private, so much of this is in ledgers, we'll never get to see, unlike like the taxpayer-supported fund that pays off congressional sexual harassment uh, complaints. Like, I just, there's a part of me that's very cynical and wonders, do, is there a world where nothing changes in essence? What I think changes is that if, if a, if a woman comes to an HR department now, even the studio HR departments, if if three women come and say this executive has has harassed us, that studio is going to have a very hard time just burying that, um, even if it is a John Lasseter. It's it's I I I think knowing they they can no longer claim ignorance. They can no longer say we didn't know this was a big deal. I think they're going to have to. I think I think. I, I think the time when you can just shove this under under the the rug is going away. But it's still if if going back to to, to tie it all together, mm. it's these big TV producers now. All these companies are you know uh, you got Apple and Facebook and Target and Mr. Pizza and who else? Uh, everybody else will be making TV shows. So if you're if you're a TV producer who has produced giant hits, your price is now. Your price and the level to which you're in demand is going to be astronomical mm. um, for the top stars to get them to be part of this. It's going to be astronomical. There's, 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 you know, we have the supply demand thing where Hollywood stardom. I mean, that's that's the biggest prize in the world. You know? yeah. That's better than being president. That's uh, uh, that's. I mean. Everyone in the world, we have how many people are there on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, and they'd all they'd all like that, and about eight people a year get it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a real big, uh, that's a real big uh, carrot to, to to dangle there mm-hmm. before the world, and it creates, uh, and so when you have these very powerful people with with this very desirable prize, 
Um, it's there's 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 going to be all kinds of bad actors and abuse and everything. And I think the best we can hope for is you know, have a system that 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 does that no longer just winks at that and says, "So oh, that's that's Hollywood. That's mm-hmm. showbiz. That's how that's how, uh, how how Louis B. Mayer did it." Right. Hello, people who are listening to I Think You're Interesting. I'm Peter Kafka. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That's me. Every week, I talk to the smartest people in the media world, the technology world. I talk to people who sit in that intersection because that's a really interesting intersection to sit in. Here's a good example of that. I talked to Steven Soderbergh and Scott Frank. You guys listen to this podcast, so you know who they are. They just made Godless. It's a new Netflix Western. We talked about how they made that how you make your own movie, why VR is not really a good venue for directors, um, how to make a branching narrative. It's really good stuff. You'll like it. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You can find it and subscribe wherever you get podcasts just like this one. I'll see you there. You mentioned the idea of uh, 50-50 gender parity within the industry. And when I've talked to people in other industries that have dealt with major sexual harassment scandals or other uh, companies, I should say, there, there's often that suggestion of hiring more women helped create a system where women who were, because it's generally women who are being harassed and assaulted. Like certainly there are men who are involved too. I don't want to discount their stories, but having more women there gave people sort of a support network where they felt comfortable sharing complaints, which gradually cut down on harassment. So that seems to be one way to start making a solution, yet Hollywood uh, has traditionally not been great (laughs) at hiring people uh, outside of uh, straight white men, especially at the highest levels of power. It's easy to put on a TV show with a female lead. It's much harder to hire a bunch of female executives to run your television production company, Uh, or at least it seems to be hard for Hollywood to do that. Is What is the... like? What is the way that, do you see that as a way that Hollywood will adapt to move forward, I guess? I think a lot of the problem, frankly, is generational. Mm. I think it's 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 not just one gender, but it is one uh, generation of, of, of people that have, have run movies and TV since the since the 90s essentially it's the ba- the baby boom generation they just they all constantly switch around jobs and trade it back and forth and whenever there's a network presidency or a studio head is up it's the same six people who at that moment are without a chair or are, mm. are put in contention for it and that generation uh the baby bo- boomers i think tends to be much more heavily white male and i think if you look um, at Generation X and Generation Y, for the people in the industry, I think it's a much more integrated group. Yeah. And I, 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 I think when that generation finally, when we pry uh, the studio chairmanships out of their cold, dead heads, <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of that will be solved. Interesting. The final question I want to ask on this topic is, when the Louis C.K. story broke, it was right as we were building up to Daddy's Home 2 starring (laughs) Mel Gibson. And I guess I'm wondering, obviously, like Harvey Weinstein's career is done. I feel like Kevin Spacey's is probably done. But there are a lot of people who are in a grayer area where uh, someone like Matt Weiner can be like, well, it's one person said this. I disagree with what happened. I'm sorry she feels that way. And then still continue to make his TV show. Um, 
what is you know what is the world like two years from now when say Louis C.K. is releasing a new stand-up special, which we all know is going to happen. Yeah. Like, how much does this change how we view these people? I want to say culturally, because obviously individually it's different for everybody. I think it's it's really it's really interesting to see how this is going to play out. I mean, if you look at Matt Weiner and what mm-hmm. two years from now, when let's say there's been another hundred people have been accused between now and then. Are we even going to be able to sort out what we'll, – we'll remember Matt Weiner was one of the people named back in that time, but will we even be able to sort out what it was that he did? And was he the one who did groping or was he the guy right. – It's and on that, are we going to be able to say, oh, he's never allowed to work again? Mm. It's the, – the, the easy solution would be to say you can work, but just you shouldn't be managing people. Mm-hmm. But that's that's with stars and with these head writers. I mean, it's if they're in a room, they're they're in charge of it. Whether whatever, whatever the title of flowchart says. Uh, so I, I I don't know how that's going to start out. with Louis C.K. You know, he'll spend a year or two in in purgatory, wherever he is, and then, as you say, come out with his stand up special about um, his journey and how he's seen everything, and if he books the theaters, and Louis C.K., of all these people, is probably the least dependent on yeah. any Hollywood machinery, and if he if he books the theaters, and who's going to stop individuals from buying tickets? Yeah. Are you going to, are people going to pick it out, outside and name and shame the people who spend $10 on a ticket or $6 to download it uh, directly from him? It's, there's, there's no... There's no, there's no way to stop them, and I just, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how we sort all this out. Uh, obviously, there'll be some people who will be in jail, so their their careers will 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 be in an end. But uh, but but others, uh, how how we decide we can police the the ban and where the where the line is. Mm. These are these are the questions of the years ahead. The thing I always think about is at the height of the Bill Cosby story, he was still doing a stand-up tour and people were still buying tickets and saying, I don't believe what's like, I never underestimate the capacity of people to uh, put things aside in the name of what they enjoy. Like we all do it. I do it. Look at our, our presidency right now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you, 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 you had people and as culturally we tried to say, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to vote for him. It's uh He's off limits, and and uh, whatever percent of the country, forty six percent of the country said said hell with you. I just to shit, you know, probably part good percentage of them were saying, well, just because you told me that, I'm gonna, I'm going to vote for him. Yeah, and uh, you know they can they can download a comedy special as easily as they can cast a vote. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking at in terms of 2018 stories? We've talked a lot of these stories are going to bleed over into 2018, probably 2019. What are some things that you're looking at coming up that maybe aren't on a lot of people's radar? Interesting. It's uh, it's very <laughs> the, the the news comes in so fast. It's mm-hmm. hard to hard to even think a day ahead of it. You know, I think the 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 consolidation and and I, I think Hollywood is in for a real uh, time of terror between ongoing harassment uh, revelations, which will certainly continue. Uh, for months, and the studios disappearing. Mm. Um, Hollywood has also has always relied on people from outside coming in and and 
basically subsidizing uh, our lifestyle here and, and writing writing huge checks, which for the past decade has been largely China, people from China. Yeah. Um, and that money has has been closed off. So that's that's a big uh, that that's a big reduction in the in in the way that we do business coming. Um, I I, th- I think there's just there's there's so many sources of terror uh, ahead, and you know I I I I would like to say Hollywood will respond to that by by saying let's take some chances, let's do different things, let's release different kinds of movies. Not everything has to be a part of a universe or a tentpole, but I think when people are scared, they go to their safe place, which. Uh, which for Hollywood is it's all about the deal and the and the the universe and the package and not about the art itself, right? Um, which exacerbates the problem, right? Media consolidation is is a big topic, obviously, uh, and I think not. I would say just putting my personal opinion out there, not great, not great. Um, but how bad do we think it could get? Because Fox is not a studio I would have expected to sell. Certainly, before something like Paramount, which perpetually seems to be uh, in trouble. Yeah, well, I, I think Paramount now has has nothing is 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 in the position of uh, that Fox would have been in if they hadn't thrown in their their TV networks. They they don't have much to sell, mm-hmm. so I think they're trying to. Um, I don't get the sense from their ownership that from the the, the Redstone family now that they're in it for that they that they're here to stay. I, I think they're trying to. Get some things into production. There was there was a there was a story this year uh, that came out about the the uh, company STX, which was a small company. They right. put, they they distribute a lot of films that they were going to on the that they were going to release. Bad Moms. They Bad Moms has been their one their yeah. their only hit of this company, and they were going to release Bad Moms Christmas. And on the back of that, they were going to do an IPO on the Hong Kong exchange and range and raise a billion dollars and cash cash out. And I think that's the scenario for a lot of these companies now. Mm-hmm. Like, just get that one hit so we can walk away from the table, mm-hmm. and then and 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 cash in our chips right there. I think Paramount is is trying to get some big hits, and I think Sony is trying to do it. But uh, if they don't get the big hit, then but you you have at least three studios that could disappear within right. be gone in a year, right? Well, I I could talk to you about this stuff all day, but I do have to end this podcast by talking about we ask our guests some of the same questions every week. I'm going to ask you them with a 2017 focus. I'm going to shift them slightly, but uh, I'm going to start by asking, uh, like, what's the most recent thing you've watched or read or listened to or whatever, and and, and what did you think of it? The most recent thing I've uh, watched, well, I saw saw Star Wars yesterday. Oh, okay. (laughs) We were probably on the same screen. Yeah. Uh, 10 a.m.? No, I was at the 4. So, all right. I I beat you there. (laughs) Uh, The, uh, I saw Star Wars. I thought the first half of it was probably the best Star Wars, uh, as as good as Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, It it found a lot of humor and... um, and really overcame a lot of the pomposity of the of the whole world that's that's just alienated me. Um, in the second half, I think it largely returned to a lot of the pomposity. And spoiler alert: uh, in the third act, you have another one of the it's a, you the the third act of this is the same third act as, as every single Star Wars movie. <laughs> there, people are trying to blow right. something up, and there's spaceships 
shooting at each other and there's people having a sword fight yeah. and you cross cut between all of them and throw in mumbo jumbo about don't give in to the dark side with it. And uh, I've seen, I've, I can't see that third act again in my lifetime. <laughs> That's interesting. Cause I, I found, I thought the first half hour was great. And then I kind of lost interest for about an hour. <laughs> this is a long movie. And I thought the last hour again was great. And I just, I, I don't know, for some reason I was tired of that third act too, but for some reason this one just clicked for me. There's two actors that I think are important here. It's, I think that, uh, the, the thing that surprised me that, that, that really helped the, the end is just noticing how much better an actor Mark Hamill has become yes. than mm-hmm. that he was barely a plausible actor in the first, <laughs> the first time around. And he's very, very good in the, he's, yeah. he's, he's really, uh. I mean, he has, he has real acting, as real scenes he has to do, and he's he's terrific at it. So I was I was just just amazed how, in the thirty years between these, that he's he's managed to become a real actor. Yeah. Um, the other and on the other end of the ledger, I think Daisy Ridley is not up to this part. Mm. I think she's I, I I seem to be alone in this feeling, but I I think she is pleasant. Mm-hmm. She's she's not an embarrassment. She's competent, but just. I don't feel her struggling with the dark side for one second. Mm, and mm. I think she, I, I think there's kind of a blank space at the center of the film where you need to be having this emotional right. uh, struggle going on. And I just think she's she's kind of a, a cipher and, mm. and, and furrows her brow. And it's, it's, it's just, she's just not, not she's, she's not up to it, I think. Mm. What was your – this isn't even like the worst movie or the worst TV show or whatever, but what was your worst pop culture experience of 2017? That could be like just a bad screening of something that maybe you still kind of liked. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old okay. right now, uh, which means by the time I get to to, to look at uh, look at a movie or, or turn on the TV, I'm, I'm uh, pretty much fighting back sleep. And mm-hmm. uh, so it used, it used to be in my – I used to feel like if I if a show had two bad seasons, I would I would, I would I'd put up with one bad season and let and 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 see if in the next season got together. As I got older, I'd say, well, you know, there are four or five episodes. Right. Now, basically, if if there's a slow scene, I'm <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not going to make it to the end of that scene. Right. I, I I am do so. I I really the so the good part of that is my my need to sleep at all times mm-hmm. uh, weeds out all the bad experience of me and the same when I go to a movie a movie if if the movie if the movie lags I'm uh I'm I'm out in a second but um as a general experience I would say okay I'll t- I'll tell you experience is not about the movie uh the movie was excellent coco <laughs> but uh, I took my family to see it it was fortunately for the second time I'd seen it and um we went to see it at a, at a, at a local theater um, there's 25 minutes of pre of trailers right. before the, the this is three year old and five year old uh, who was who the movie is targeted for. Had 25 minutes of trailers and then a 22 minute Olaf's <laughs> Frozen Adventure, but before it, which was which was excruciating even for a three year old. Right. Um, so we were. It was 45 minutes in before, um, but but before the movie started, and with that kind of tedium, it was like. It, for the people in the audience, it was just like a green light to like everybody get out your phones and just start texting <laughs> your friends and web surfing. And it was just it was just the worst room and yeah, theater I've ever been in. And uh, and and that was that was truly unpleasant. <laughs> and finally, what was your favorite pop culture thing 
of 2017. It can be a movie, it can be a TV show, it can be a book, album, video game. I don't know. I don't know what your ha- your consumption diet is. Uh, going to be going to be very pretentious here, but I, I've I've spent the uh, this that my goal for this year was to read the Elena Ferrante Neapolitan novels, and <laughs> I'm uh, 20 pages away from being done with the last one now. As we Brush my ways, and they, it's that they, they've been. Uh, everyone you know has read has, has read them so much that they've become a cliche. But mm-hmm. uh, but but they they but uh, they're really beautiful. They've really care. It's it's really been a journey this year reading 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 all these and going through the experience. And it's such a rich world, and um, the relationships between the two characters is is really so complex and beautiful mm. uh, that even though I don't really like the protagonist. Uh, they're talking about unlikable protagonists. Mm. Uh, she's she, she's a difficult character in a lot of ways, but it's it's uh, but but you're just you're fascinated and interested in her journey at at every point. So I, I'm I'm sorry to sorry to give such a uh, pretentious answer to that. But no, they're great books. They're great books. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. The Ankler, theankler.com. You can subscribe. Yes, there, you correct? can. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And just as we've looked back at 2017, let's look back at the podcast that was with our closing credits. I Think You're Interesting is hosted and executive produced by Todd Vanderwerf. And in case you haven't guessed, that's me. Fox Podcasting is headed up by Marty Moe and Jackie Goldstein. Our executive producer of audio is Nishat Kurwa. Our sound designer is Miles Ewell. Our logo design is thanks to Victor Ware, Crystal Stevens, and Georgia Cowley. Our production manager is Alex Ulrich. Our production coordinator is Carrie Clements. Our audio engineering and post-production are thanks to P3 Post, and we recorded this week's episode at the P3 Post studio in Hollywood, California. Our editor is Peter Leonard. Our recording engineer is Che Brooks. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us get the word out, helps us get great guests. And also, if you write a review, I'll read it. I like to read what you have to say, even if it's critical. It helps us make the show better. You can also email me, Todd at Vox.com. You can email the show, ityi.podcast at Vox.com, itye.podcast at Vox.com. That goes to everybody who works on it. And if you just want to talk to me on Twitter, I am at TVOTI. That's Tavoti. We will be back next week with a special treat as we head into the end of 2017. Until then, remember, a year is just 365 days. You only have 11 to go. You're going to make it. I promise. You're going to make it. Mm-hmm.